Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Fair and frank disclosure before we start recording. Uh, we may have had a few beers. So if this is a very incoherent podcast, I uh, deeply, deeply apologize. But I also don't actually Can apologize. I now. I, I'm fine. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> I might be the drunk one in, in this podcast. And welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man on man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and for the second time, we have a comedian and writer for Mad as Hell, Pat McCaffrey. Welcome, Pat. Lovely to be back. Um, yes, lovely to be back. I'm very sleep deprived. He, <laughs> yes, he got up at 4.30 this morning yeah. and I plied him with alcohol yeah. and now we're going to record a podcast. I'm, I'm definitely going to be getting the train home and wind up falling asleep and just wake up in Mernda or something. Uh, the, the podcast today is one of our homoerotic horror reviews, although I am stretching the definition of horror in including it. It is on uh, Cruising from 1980. A controversial film directed by William Friedkin of uh, The French Connection and Exorcist fame and starring Al Pacino uh, after his Godfather uh, debut, which um, is very interesting when you look at the content of Cruising. A New York City detective in search of a killer is about to disappear into the night is it dangerous i can't talk about it how do you know you're gonna end up the same person when it's over an odyssey to the edge of city life bartenders are starting to give me some information 
there's this uh, name keeps popping up all the time. There he is. The one with the hat. Is that the one that followed you? Yeah. Why didn't you go with him? I don't know. I think you should check him. What he sees. Who's here? What he feels. I don't think I can do the job, Captain. I don't think I can handle it. I'm here. This is stuff going down. I don't think I can. Uh, I can deal with it. he experiences. What he discovers will change his life forever. It's a very loose plot uh, and it's to do with a serial killer plaguing the gay leather scene in New York, um, which is an enticing premise and a fantastic movie, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, Pat, before we get into the, the plot, yeah. uh, can you give us a little overview? What would you give it? Uh, oh, I, I think it's, um, it's, it had the feel the entire time of a film where everything was done in one take. Um, and so, like, I, it felt a little bit like a rough cut of something. So I think that's I think that's a slight unfair judgment because the guy like, who trips over in the train station in the background. I'm yes, like, sorry, yes, um, yeah. There is some. There is. It's rough around the edges. Yeah, because I wouldn't have said. I also wouldn't have said, and I think this probably reflects the fact that <laughs> the budget for the actors probably went to Al Pacino because mm. everyone else is a bit second rate. Yeah, I mean, you never really believe there's any chemistry between Pacino and his on-screen partner. Oh, um, yeah, that, that like wife that, is terrible. Yeah. Three out of five is generous. I think I'm more likely to go two, two and a half. Two and a half out of five. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a five stars from me. Wow. I, wow. I love this film. I love its depiction of underground gay culture. It is a rough film. It is a weird film. Mm. It is objectively a very weird and strange film, but I uh, I think it's actually... Amazing. It opens with yeah. a, a fisherman finding an arm. Yeah. And the arm is of a professor. Oh, exactly that is. Yes. Okay. So it does relate back to the plot originally. So so he finds an arm in the river. Oh, it's in the bay. And, uh, and that's how we start off the film. Then it cuts to two cops in a cop car having a really like misogynistic discussion about their wives, etc. And they come across uh, two, I'm going to use the word trans women because it's just the, I can avoid all the controversies by just saying that as opposed to drag queen. Um, two trans women who are working as sex workers, they get intercepted by the cops and the cops essentially assault them. That's our general opening. Uh, and then we get straight into the actual movie after we've spent 15 minutes on this kind of tangent discussion, um, where a guy walks downstairs in a nightclub and meets a man, uh, in, uh, shades. Yeah. Are they aviators? Yeah. Sort of that kind of look, those big, 
round, yeah, sunnies. Yeah, in aviators, uh, leather jacket, uh, a cap with... We're not sure, but <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, there is an eagle symbol yeah. that keeps reoccurring, and we think it may be a neo-Nazi, or a look, Nazi symbol. Yeah, it does look, does look very Reichy. Very, yeah. And look, the gay leather scene back in those days did overlap with the neo-Nazi scenes, and so it, that may be accurate, I don't know. But at least the killer, the killer on his cap, yeah. Has an eagle, which is Nazi-ish. Yeah. Uh, so this guy meets the potential Nazi-ish man in, in the gay bar, um, goes back to his place. They have sex. Um, and then the guy, the suspicious guy with the Nazi symbol, gets up to grab a cigarette, um, then pulls out a knife, ties up his victim, and then stabs his victim to death. You made me do that. Um, and Pat, you wouldn't be able to describe the scene because you were covering yes, up your eyes I and was, blocking your I ears. Was. Yes, because when you said something about earlier on, you were just like, "Oh, it's a it's a, a horror film, but it's not that." horror yeah it de- it, it's enough right because it was that scene and then was later on i like jumped out of the chair when i was watching something. you jumped out of the chair because someone opened a door <laughs> yeah yeah okay but there was a, there was a jump cut you know it was, it was the editing that got me okay there was no editing in this <laughs> yes it was <laughs> um and so that's our that's our first on-screen kill um and so we know we've got some sort of murder mystery going on with a guy who uh, goes after guys in underground gay bars. Mm. Now, let's talk about these gay bars for a second because I fucking love them. Yeah. I think they're great. I think the aesthetic is amazing. Mm. Um, I wish that there were more underground gay bars like this where I, I was saying to Pat as I was watching it that, like, the leather get-up, I want that yeah. to be back on scene. And I, I do love... And this is a very... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the P word very privileged thing for me okay. to say uh i i realize that it, it's it's all very well and good to say in 2019 that like 1980s underground gay aesthetic <laughs> is appealing um sure sure but you know there was a time where we were a bit edgy and i feel like this film it's, captures that really well well like it's certainly that and as like you kept observing as we were watching it like for, for a 1980s audience to be watching just, like, naked dudes. Mm. like to, to This just... is a mainstream film as well. This, this yeah. played in cinemas. And, like, it's not just that gay sex is even implied in these nightclubs. Like, no. sometimes it's just happening in the background of a scene. There are close-up shots of, like, dick-in-ass mm. insertion business going on. Um, often when the killer is killing, the stabbing is directly contrasted with intercuts of, like penetration you know how in porn where sometimes they go too i'm not really into it but the close-up insertion shots were were definitely used a lot in this film um yeah or or just like just naked dudes yeah. a lot of the time um, yeah. which again for like something coming out in the 80s that you could go see at greater union like is pretty full-on 
What is Greta Union? Oh, that might only be a South Australian thing. They were a chain of cinemas. Sorry. Uh, leave a the, comment. One for the South Australian. <laughs> <laughs> leave a comment if you know what Greta Union <laughs> is. I've never heard of it. Okay. Points. Whatever. <laughs> we have international listeners. Yeah, Don't okay. you undercut my podcast. <laughs> So when we get back after that kill, uh, it is a police chief's office and we first see Al Pacino coming in. And the first thing uh, the police chief says to Al Pacino is, um, have you ever got your cock sucked by a man before? <laughs> Which I think it would just see that scene being filmed in 1980 does kind of show how far the, the role of HR has come. <laughs> like, because if that conversation oh, yeah. happened in any workplace now, yeah, yeah. it'd just be, oh, there's a woman called Karen coming in now to yeah. talk about sexual harassment. <laughs> he, um, he, um, he says it multiple times, and Al Pacino's yeah. like, oh. In multiple different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, Something about smoking a pole. Oh, yeah. no, is it pole or pork? I thought, oh, maybe there was pork. Oh. Uh, yeah, so Al Pacino's like, oh, that's not really my scene. Um, and the, the police chief says that, you know, there's these killings going on. Um, and he talks about how the victims were not part of the mainstream of everyday gay life, I think is the way that he phrased it. It was the, it was an underground. Yeah, right. Um, which I love. I love this, like, this <laughs> edgy, the yeah. edgy underground. Yeah. Um, and then Al Pacino was going to go undercover as a gay man into the leather scene. Into Sorry, they keep calling it heavy leather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This underground into yeah. heavy leather uh, to help find this killer so uh scene after that is that we have al pacino with his wife or girlfriend it's never really quite yeah, established I've got a girlfriend vibe girlfriend um, then, you know well he kind of had a key i suppose like he could let himself into their apartment before, yeah but it always felt like her apartment she's not much of a character no uh she hasn't got a lot going on i don't i was it her acting or was it the fact that all her lines were dubbed uh i also i think it was a bit of both but i also think um i also think like her character was purely uh from a functional perspective there to prove in some kind of concrete way to the audience that al pacino isn't gay when he takes on this job to establish that i think she's there so they can have the scene of him being like i'm going undercover for a while sure sure she's like i know you can't tell me but i'm worried about you yeah and so it's it's really i suppose that contributes as well to how little chemistry there is between them yeah there's just no no chemistry so she's barely a character yeah um so al pacino moves in to a place in a gay neighborhood he finds a whole porn stash yep, yep. in the apartment that he moves into. Which he then, for no, for no particular reason that was clear to me, throws away. He doesn't need it. I think the idea is that it was like taking up space and he doesn't need it. Um, but see then, yeah, I suppose being in a gay building then, that this this character that he meets assumes he must be gay. But like, if I saw someone throwing away, oh, well, maybe you assume they have it. Well, I don't know. It just felt weird. That it did, Pat doesn't yeah. like to waste good porn. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Just saying, you know, once you've gone to the effort of someone's bought it, so like, you know, just hang on to it. So as he's chucking it out, though, he meets his neighbour. Uh, the name of his neighbour is... Teddy. Teddy. Good. Pat remembered. Because um, I did not. Teddy's <laughs> uh, a sweet young boy. He's he, a playwright. He is a playwright. He's a sweet young boy. They go to get coffee. Um, but Which actually becomes burgers it, and nondescript yellow food. Pat, Pat yeah. 
cared very much about the fact that in the in the logic of the movie they went to get coffee but actually they were getting lunch <laughs> and that that is some sort of terrible plot device it's, just, it's attention to detail it's, it's a okay. lack of attention to detail i wasn't bothered by it oh. um and it's that it's it's whilst they're having that discussion they talk about the recent murder which was the mm. guy at the club mm. and that's when teddy mentions that there was also a professor mm-hmm at a university that was killed previously and the police did nothing about it. Now, the professor is the arm that we see at the start. Which, again, I've I've seen this movie like 50 times and so I understand the logic of the movie. But that was not really remotely clear to me. And then also, none of the other victims end up floating in a river or a bay or anything. Actually, this is a good discussion for later on when we talk Mm. about who did it. Okay. Because that might be a relevant okay. factor in okay. who did it. But, but I will say one thing that I think potentially contributes to the film having a sort of first draft vibe mm. is it's written and directed by the same person. And if you don't have someone else looking over your shoulder as the writer or the director saying, actually, hey, remember this or that. Then of the Exorcist. Easy. Yeah, but it's also... Well, I've never seen The Exorcist, so, you know, maybe that's a terrible film. But um, Oh! <laughs> oh! But, like, this is what can happen. It's, like, clearly his passion project. Do you reckon cruising was his passion project? I don't think cruising was his passion project. Well, whatever. But, like, clearly, like, he's he's got it up, right? Yeah. Um, and I just think that sometimes when you see written and directed, that's sometimes... That's a sign like, of yeah, plot holes Someone and else issues. needed to watch this. So, it's after this encounter um, that Al Pacino decides that he needs to go undercover in the gay scenes. The very first thing that he starts doing is to work out. Yes. (laughs) In the least safe way possible. And then he's just lifting this giant, what is it, a dumbbell? Yeah, I don't know if... Remember gyms were a thing that came in, like, the 80s? Yeah. But see, but, like, he's lifting it, like, in front of his face and then just behind, which is two completely different... Muscle groups you're targeting. Maybe and you he's can just going back and there. forth. He's just going back and forth. That's not safe. For the listeners, Pat is not ripped and you should not take his advice on working out. Hey man, I did year 12 PE. You know? <laughs> 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 we had to design that, a workout that program. Is, that is impressing no one. <laughs> no one is impressed by year 12 PE. You want, you want me to impress people even less? Yeah. That was the choice I, I had to do in where I was. So I went to school in Adelaide. You had to do. One maths or science subject, and PE was my science, and I didn't do maths. Oh god, <laughs> I did real science. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so once he's got all buffed, though, he starts going to the um, underground gay scenes. He goes to various different clubs. Uh, in one club, they have a little store, and he learns about the hanky code, yes. which was cute. Yes. That's a bit of a blast mm. from the past. Mm. Um, I don't know if some of the stuff he says, I don't know if it was entirely accurate. Like it was like blue hanky on the right. If you want to be sucked on the left, if you're into sucking. Yeah. The yellow is definitely the water sports thing. Yeah. They got that accurate. Cause he doesn't actually, learn, he doesn't learn that well about the code though, because he buys a yellow hanky and then later on gets approached by someone in the club. Which was very unfair to that man because the guy who approached him saw that he had a yellow hanky yep. and he said, you're into water sports. And he had a yellow hanky too. Yes. Yeah. They matched. Yep. The code was working perfectly yeah. and Al Pacino did not respect that code. Yeah. Al Pacino said, I just like to watch. Um, I have noted that after he goes to the club the first time, the first thing that he does is goes back and fucks his girlfriend. 
Yes. Uh, and it's interesting, uh, the scene uh, of him fucking his girlfriend, because it very much is him not looking at her. Mm. Uh, and there is this implication that, that Pacino mm. is getting seduced. We're just calling him Pacino because I don't actually know what his actual name was <laughs> in, the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think it's like John or something. Yeah, actually, I can't remember that. Anyway, yeah, Pacino, yeah. Pacino seems to be sexually interested or at least that's the implication that i got mm. in the, mm. the club scenes that he's seeing ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so we're confused about the sequence. <laughs> what you haven't heard in this podcast is us trying to figure out the actual sequence of the kills. Um, there are two major kill sequences. Um, one is a guy is going into a... Well, a guy who works at a clothing store... Yes. ...fills up his convertible... Yeah. ...with a whole bunch of stuff, is driving along, sees that there's a peep show... And just decides to... As you do. Because he, he mentions something to the person he runs the clothing store with about having to meet someone or something. Yeah, it's very, like, time-dependent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, he just stops off at a peep show and then he's sitting next to our killer. Adult, adult stores uh, have peep rooms and they used to have gay-specific peep rooms and they're still around. Mm-hmm. They do still exist. Where you go into a particular peep show and then you put in a bit of change and then there's like a porn that plays and then you masturbate or there's someone there to help you out. Anyway, that situation happens where um, the guy and the killer end up in a peep show room together. Um, Killer grabs his knife, stabs him several times in the peep show room. The second kill, which is either before or after this, let's just get it out of the way, (laughs) uh, involves the killer taking him out into the park, I'm assuming Central Park, um, and then running off and being mysterious and then coming back and stabbing him to death. Yeah, because they go off together, like, you know, into the bushes or something. Because um, that's also where there there are a number of people at the park. Like it's like oh know, yeah, this is peak uh, huge... suck jobs at Central Park. Yeah, times. yeah, yeah. Basically, so they're, the, they're the two kills. They're interspersed between Al Pacino learning the the kind of gay life. Mm-hmm. He goes to a particular night, which is the police night, and the guy confronts him for being too boring and not being dressed up like a police officer. Yeah, which in retrospect is kind of funny because yep. he is a police officer. Um. There's a point where he speaks to the um, his chief where he, he wants to get out. He doesn't really explain why he wants to leave the case. Mm. He just kind of talks about how it's affecting him. Because he did have a conversation, doesn't he have a conversation with his girlfriend where he, they, they kind of at some point have separated now? He yeah, there's about, some tension between yeah, them. And he just, he alludes to the fact that this is affecting him. And we, we get in there as well. There's one scene where the girlfriend's going down on him and he, I think you even hear the club music 
in the background oh, as okay. he's getting a yeah. blowjob and it's very clear that he is being enticed mm. into the gay lifestyle, exactly, the homosexual exactly. lifestyle. That's that easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we know that the... Uh, what was chief of detectives? That chief was chief of detectives. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the chief of detectives is. He's really annoyed that they haven't been able to find the killer. The yep. pressure's on the police force because they're both just two days away from retirement. Yeah, man. it's and all this of is gonna. This they don't want to go out on this. All the police thriller cliches are yep. being thrown out yep. in terms of this movie. Um, the next thing that I have in my <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, and my, my notes say, uh, I, I wrongly think that the chief of detectives is the mayor, and I've got, uh, mayor is concerned, calls the police chief, chief to do it, and then my next line is, fisting sling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> because Pacino goes yep. to the club, um, and it's a particularly, you know, everyone's fucking each other type night, and then there is, like, a full fisting scene. You see a guy just, like, lubing up his hands, basically, yeah. like, up to the elbow. Nineteen eighty. Yeah, this is pretty pretty awesome. Um, And I think it's that same scene where uh, Pacino uh, sees a guy who he thinks is a little bit suspicious, who's a bit aggressive, um, decides not to go out after him that night, but um, then decides to just enjoy the night, get get some ammo, sniff some ammo, and then dances the night away. A fucking yeah, dances basically like I would normally. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, but Pacino suspects this aggressive guy that he sees at the bar and that's when they organize a sting. Um, they organize a thing where they bug a particular hotel room. Pacino picks him up. Um, I don't know why Pacino gets tied up. He lets it go. <laughs> well, and then later comments to the people, because what happens is Pacino gets tied up and the, the two detectives who are meant to be listening in are getting a lot of radio interference. Yeah. It's the 1980s. It's like um, a weird antenna on top of their car. The car yeah. yeah. Um, so they burst in. Um, now, bearing in mind that the killer we know, his MO is to stab people with a knife. Mm. There are four cops. Three of them have, like, revolvers and yeah. one of them has a shotgun. Yeah. Um, so they've gone in a little heavy, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, they burst through and Pacino has been tied up. Hogtied like the like the first victim was. Yeah. And then Pacino Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, no, no. But then Pacino says to the cops, Why did you like he makes Why did you burst in? Yeah. Yeah. Like you came in too early or something. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is this is exactly exactly the point at which they should have come in. Yeah. 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 Um and then we get the interrogation scene. Which is potentially my um Bear my... in mind, when I gave this film two and a half, that was responsible, that scene for two point four nine stars. Yeah. This film. It might be the greatest moment of cinema I've ever witnessed. I was I was gonna say, I, I, I do believe this is the greatest oh my God. greatest scene in film history because is it, is it on YouTube? Can yes, you like can it you is. just when you put this up, can you link I will it? link because, off oh I will God. link off to this amazing yeah. scene because uh, describing is not gonna do oh, it justice. Oh my god. Um so they're being interrogated by police. Um, the guy, the suspect, is denying any responsibility. Al Pacino is playing along because he's being undercover. Mm. This also, sorry, when you talk about the cop tropes, this is a really good example of good cop, bad cop trope. In that, like, before <laughs> before we get to the real yeah, bad God. cop, we, we get, like... The senior detective is playing real bad cop. And then this other guy is saying, hey, man, if you just admit to, like, yes. how you did these killings. Then like, it's a real cliche of that. And the suspect is denying everything. And yes. it's not looking yeah. great for this suspect. And then Al Pacino is making certain comments. <laughs> and then the door opens. <laughs>
show you his knife. What are you hitting for? Who paid for the room? What was that? Who paid for the room? To a very large black man in a jock strap and a cowboy hat Mm -hmm. who says nothing, (laughs) walks over to Pacino and then slaps him across the face. Onto the floor. Like he hits him off his chair onto the floor. It's so good. Yeah. And then he leaves. (laughs) And it's just no context at all. And you never see. No, yeah. you do. You do one more time. Oh, <laughs> because so yeah. Pacino, they 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 go under the, the auspices of yeah. of separating them. Pacino goes into the other room, sees the the black guy, and he said, "You didn't need to hit me so hard." And then throws his cowboy hat out of the room. Still given no context no. on who this is, I'm assuming he's working for police. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're interrogating the suspect, and the black guy in the jockstrap comes out again. One more hit to the suspect. No, two. Forehand and backhand. Oh, yeah. okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Beats the shit out of him. Yeah. And then leaves again and is never seen for the rest of the film. Yep. And we should also not forget that that interrogation scene ends with another strange plot point. Because what the cops know about the killer is that he... Oh, yes. He, like what? He's He's got no... So so they, they uh, obviously analysed the semen um, on one of the victims. The first victim. Yes. Yeah. And they noted that um, he's shooting blank, so he doesn't have any sperm. So he's ejaculating, but there's yeah. no sperm. Yeah. And so this interrogate after this poor, like, innocent person yes. has been beaten half to death, yes. um, they tell him that he needs to take his pants off and ejaculate. Yes. Into a cup so that they can test. And yes. also... Oh, yeah. What, what else? I've forgotten what else. And also they're going to put uh, water in a basin <laughs> and if his yeah. balls yeah. float, then he's a suspect. Yeah, or vice versa. I was never sure of the scientific I don't know if that was that. a joke or not, or whether they actually just put his balls in some water Maybe and that see was if they to float. Because the like, sperm sink is the I idea. I was, I was, I was talking to um, Pat about it, where I just think, like, I think like balls just naturally float like a little bit. Sure. Like they have some buoyancy to yeah, them. Yeah. Um, it, look, it, that that whole thing felt the least scientific thing that yeah. has ever happened in a film. At the end of it, though, they realise that this suspect is not the killer and it hasn't panned out. Yeah. They're like, wacky hijinks <laughs> <laughs> have not resulted in a viable oh case. God. We have a situation then where they're out of dead ends. Al Pacino um, tells the chief that he wants to get off the case. He's over it, doesn't want to do it anymore. The chief of police says that, okay, well, let's go back to the source. Let's have a look at the professor that was killed. I have the uh, graduating class from that university year um, who of that particular year, and I've, I've ticked all the people that have done classes with that particular professor. Can you look through this magazine and see if you know anyone from your underground gay shenanigans? Yep. Uh, and then we have a little montage scene of him looking through and he mm. finds and he recognises a particular guy as being a potential suspect. Then we cut to uh, seeing this potential suspect. Uh, he lives with a roommate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He is doing some sort of PhD in something. Mm. And there's a bit of a scene with him where we kind of establish him as a character. 
Al Pacino starts stalking him out. Yeah. Starts to be a bit more um, suspicious of him. Us as an audience see him sitting on a bed and he has an internal dialogue with his father. Yeah. His dead father who has the same voice as the killer. Mm. So we're all thinking, okay, this is actually the guy. So we have a scene with Al Pacino in his apartment. He goes to see Teddy, um, who is his neighbour, and he's confronted by Teddy's boyfriend, mm. Greg. Uh, they get into a bit of an argument, which you think is going to end just after they've exchanged a couple of words with Greg accusing Al Pacino of being uh, with Teddy. Yeah. Um, but then Al Pacino breaks down the door, breaks through the door. No, he tries to. And then... Greg opens the door yeah. just slightly to see whether Al Pacino is still there. And then Al Pacino just like forces I forgot. His this is in. where you jumped. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why this is important Al for Pacino you. just like leaps through the door. Yeah. And it's like attacking this otherwise sweet, innocent young man who for some reason is just in his underwear. Don't know why. He just yeah. is. Well, look, yeah. this hasn't a homoerotic aesthetic, despite the fact that the director is, is a straight man. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good on. I am all for a bit of homoerotic <laughs> aesthetic in my films. Um, but then see, so Greg and Al Pacino, who I think is Steve, whatever. Um, they, John. John, yeah. Um, they then have this confrontation, which seemingly is Greg accusing Al Pacino of being sweet on Teddy. Yeah. Um, which, given they went for coffee once, is a definite possibility. Anyway, it's good for him, because when he's out working, he's not out getting involved. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. No? No. Well, Ted is too sensitive to have too many involvements. We found that out with the last piece of trash that moved in down the hall. I'd say it must be something about that one. The people that it attracts, do you suppose? You bastard. So we get to the point where this suspicious college student puts on the boots, puts on the outfit of the killer, Goes off um, to cruise guys in Central Park. Al Pacino follows him out, also wearing a similar outfit. Uh, they have a bit of back and forth. They go to hook up, um, and the college guy goes to pull out a knife. Al Pacino mm. turns around, stabs him. Yep. Uh, then we cut to a hospital scene. I'm running through the last little part yeah, of this because yeah. it's just like yeah. a yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, Chino, uh, there's a hospital scene where they say admit to the other murders. He denies having any involvement with any of the other murders. Um, and it seems like Albuchino's won the day. It mm. seems like everything's good. Everything's fine. We then cut to a, uh, a scene of Teddy. Mm. Having been murdered, uh, the police are on scene. We learn that one of the police officers on the scene is actually the ones that accosted yeah. the um, sex workers earlier in the scene. Mm. Oh, sorry, at the start of the movie. Mm. Um, but we know that, that Teddy is dead. Um, and this has happened after our chief suspect has yes. been intercepted yes. and they want to say that it's a lover's quarrel. Mm. They want to essentially say that it, that it's Greg who has done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's left fairly ambiguous. Yes. We then cut to Al Pacino's girlfriend's place. Al Pacino's back. Al Pacino's back. He's there. He's shaving. He comes in, doesn't she? Yeah, she, he's comes, already there. she comes home, sees him. Um, he says that he's back. Will she take him back? She says yes. She then goes and finds clothing of his, mm. which is the exact same clothing 
as the killer. Mm. We then have a shot to Al Pacino's face turning and looking at the camera. Straight down the barrel. And then a shot of the the bay. Mm. um, And that's when we cut to the credits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Deep breaths. Oh, man. That ending. So bad. So, okay. What are we... Okay, what is your interpretation of that ending? Uh, Look, I think it's... So clearly what they're trying to do is go with an ambiguous ending. Like, it's quite obviously meant to be ambiguous. Because not only do we have Teddy's death, which could or could not be a lover's quarrel, bearing in mind that Greg was able to reach for a knife and threaten Al Pacino. So we're we're clearly laying down groundwork that it could be either of them who killed Teddy. Yeah. But it can't be our killer killer. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing that struck me the whole way through was that the three men that die that we definitely know were killed by the killer, that person being either Al Pacino or the killer, um, they were all stabbed in the back. Teddy wasn't stabbed in the back. Mm. Like, so whoever this serial killer is has an MO. That also isn't how the guy who ends up in hospital gets stabbed. He gets stabbed in the front, basically, like through the shoulder. He's got bandages yeah. on the shoulder. So We know Pacino's good with a knife. Yes, yeah. Um, but, but like, yeah, so Teddy and the, the guy who we think is the killer who ends up in hospital are just stabbed a different way from the other three. So in my head, I actually could think that they, and this is clearly not what they were going for, but in my head, I was like, no, maybe that dude who we're meant to believe was the killer did kill those three people and Pacino just stabbed him Mm. in self-defense and potentially the death of Teddy is either him or Greg. What do you think of the idea that uh, the suspect killed the college guy? So ki- killed the college professor. Yeah. Uh, and killed the first guy, but then the other two guys were Pacino. Ooh, okay. But see, one of the one of the second guys, the guy in the peep show, the killer definitely says, "Look what you made me do." Mm. Which does fit... Which is consistent. Yeah, and also does fit with that character having schizophrenia, which mm. we're meant to believe, because he then imagines meeting his father. His dead father, film. yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's true. I hadn't considered that as a possibility. Because the other thing is, when Pacino meets this guy in the park, Pacino sings the song mm. that's like the nursery rhyme that supposedly was heard. And that, to me, was also ambiguous, because the response from the other guy is very funny or something. Yeah. Which could either mean... You know me. Yeah, a kind of recognition thing. Or that's weird why you're doing... Or yes. Yeah. yeah. Or Because, yeah, and like also the other thing I thought was um, that maybe this guy doesn't think Pacino's a threat at all and like, haha, that's very funny that you're referencing that psychopathic gay killer out there, but mm. you're obviously not that, so whatever. You know, like there were, yeah, there were layers of ambiguity to that that I could have believed. Yeah, and I think it's a deliberately ambiguous thing. No one, not even the filmmakers, deny that Cruising is a brutally violent movie. William Friedkin, the writer and director of the movie, has made a lot of violent films, including The Exorcist, which you're seeing here, and The French Connection. The difference is that this time around, gays are the victims of the violence. And gays are worried that it will give people dangerous ideas. The Ghirardelli Theater in San Francisco was scheduled to show Cruising, but last month, vandals sprayed graffiti on marquees and broke windows. As a result, Ghirardelli management dropped the film. The distributor of the film is United Artists, part of the giant Transamerica Corporation. Transamerica officials told us today that they have a First Amendment right to show the film, that the film will not spawn violence against gays, 
and that attempts to stop its release smack of book burning. Earlier today, Transamerica tried to reassure the gay community by setting up a special screening of Cruisin'. Forty prominent local gays saw the movie, but apparently the screening did not have the desired effect. Every day in this city, dozens of gay people are beaten up, come close to being murdered. This film it not only exaggerates that, it is almost an incitement to go out and murder people. We are not asking for Transamerica to withdraw this film from San Francisco. We're asking for them to withdraw it from uh, circulation, from, from the country. I think it would be smart of the company who produced it to just do the country a service and withdraw it. But I wouldn't say withdraw something from a point of view of censorship, from a point of view of extremely poor taste. Would do you view this film as homophobic? Um, I think it's it's portrayals of uh, of gay men and gay culture are a little broad, at times a little clumsy, like very clumsy by today's standards. In that, yeah, you know, I think I made a comment to you at some point that I was expecting the rest of the village people to rock up. Like it, like it's very that they're very stereotypical. Um, depictions, I suppose, of gay culture. Mm. Um, but there, there is a line in the movie where, where they, he, the, the police chief talks about the fact that this, this is a subculture of gay, yeah, gay life. That, that it is not the mainstream of gay life. I don't know. That that strikes me as potentially a slightly generous interpretation of of the filmmaker. You know, oh yeah, of the script. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, technically, that's there. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, like, I don't think it's... And Teddy is a sympathetic character. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh, look, and, like, I, I suppose, like, yeah, I, I, like you, I don't mind the kind of concept of the subversive nightclubs and that mm. kind of underground scene. Like, I think that's very cool and, like, whatever. Um, uh, yeah, it, it feels to me kind of clumsy and of its time, mm. um, but not. But uh, of its like, time in like weird ways where it's like sometimes of its time in a way of like, wow, this is really progressive. And then sometimes of its time of like being very yeah backwards. But like, you know, um, you're never, you're ne- I mean, I suppose the scene, the scene at the beginning of the film where the two cops are talking to those trans sex workers is I think meant to depict those two police officers in a bad light. Mm. Um, and so that I suppose you know, that's deliberately written to make those cops out as bad 1980s police officers. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, like, there's not really... I don't think there's anything that's kind of overtly aggressive. Apart from, as I say, that scene feels a little bit kind of um, as though those cops, yeah, like they're bad dudes in that scene. But beyond that, there's no one... I mean, the cops do genuinely, in this film, do genuinely want to find the killer. Got a lot of protests by um, gay groups who said that that it was a misrepresentation of gay life and that it would um, cause homophobic violence um, against the gay community. Um, And, you know, to support that, um, one of the uh, bars that was depicted, because they were real gay bars that were being depicted in those Mm. shots, um, one of the bars that was depicted in the film, um, a man did come into one of those bars with a submachine gun, um, killed two patrons and wounded 12 others. The The guy who, who went into that club, his name was Ronald K. Crumpley, um, a former police officer 
which is an interesting element of it, appeared to be suffering from some sort of mental illness. Mm. Um, and it had obviously viewed the film um, and had a very adverse reaction in terms of the film when he was, after he killed the, the, the people in the, in the club and when he was being interviewed by police, he said, um, I'll kill them all, the gays, they ruin everything. So, yeah. I mean, there's an element of that of like, I, I, I put that in there just because part of me, I mean, I really do love this film and I really do love the depiction of gay life and, and all of those aspects of the film. I think that, that we, it's so rare to see a great subversive, edgy depiction of gay characters. And so when I see it, I fucking mm-hmm. love it and grasp on it. Um, but obviously for the time, there, there probably was some truth to that. I mean, this guy was mentally unwell and, you know, tracing yeah. on-screen depictions yeah, yeah. to particular violence is maybe a bit, you know, too simplistic. Um, but, you know, there was homophobic violence traced to this film. Yeah. And, and look, certainly, I suppose, you know, um, whereas you're right to say that they make a point of saying this is a subculture, you can certainly imagine that in the 1980s that people think, oh, this is what the gays are like. That yeah. is disgusting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Particularly, like, you know, a, a film that, as you say, gets shown in mainstream cinemas where a guy is just getting fisted. Like, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I know, again, this is my 2019 reflecting sure, that sure. of just like, yes, we want more films yeah. where guys get yeah. fisted. Yeah. But I think that's maybe my, sure. my, my yeah. you know, of this Cause, cause time. Neither of us lived through this time. No. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting you talk about the portrayal of gay uh gay characters and gay culture because I, I agree with you that I quite like that it's very subversive and the kind of and as you say we, we sometimes yeah we don't often see that thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast and a special thank you to Pat McCaffrey for co-hosting you can follow the podcast on Twitter and support us on Patreon at Sinister Sissies you can also follow Pat on Twitter at Pat McCaffrey and myself at Jared Bartle I hope to see you next time and stay sinister. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.